Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and you're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR. I'm Jack, your host for today. I'd like to start off by acknowledging that we are broadcasting today from the stolen um, Wurundjeri lands of the Kulin Nation where sovereignty was never ceded. Today's show, we've got a uh, pre-record from Elise. Elise is part of our Sustainable Cities Committee and uh, they've managed to get John Stone from Melbourne Uni and two community members who live out west to discuss the uh, Better Bus Service campaign. Um, it's, a bit of a mo- it's a bit of a point at the minute out west with all this development going on and no infrastructure really to support it. So this is a big one for anyone from Melbourne and um, we'll get kicked off. Hey everyone, we are the Sustainable Cities Collective. My name's Elise and I'm the community organiser and I'm joined by John Stone, who is a Melbourne Uni public transport researcher. Um, And we've got Adrian, who's a member of the community from Point Cook and Sarah, who's a member of the community from the Brimbank area. Um, We're gonna be talking about our Better Buses campaign and why we need um, a better bus service in Melbourne's Western suburbs. First up, we'll be hearing from Adrian, who's going to talk to his experience of using the buses in the Point Cook area. And I'll just pass on to you straight away, Adrian. Yes, well, I think it's probably more about my non-uses of the buses in Point Cook, to be honest. (laughs) Um, As I've pretty much found out that it's quite difficult to generally get around, um, you know, the outer west with the buses. So um, either we have cars or we sort of... Uh, have bikes and stuff like that to get around so for the most part um so in point cook um buses are probably actually better than most places in a lot of places in the west to be honest um but uh from where i am it's still not very good so basically we don't have a bus uh, that comes within a kilometer of our house at least so we're talking probably a 30-odd minute trip to get to a bus to get to the train, so it ends up being quite difficult. And also those buses aren't very frequent, so I think they're every, uh, well, maybe 20 minutes of peak time, but they are probably more like 40 minutes on weekends or any times you want to go out and about to do anything. I think that's part of the big part of the problem is you can't really reliably catch a bus to many places um, in and around anywhere, and they're all very train station-centric as well where I can catch a train, I can catch a bus to the train station, but I can't catch a bus really to um, other places like the swimming pool or to the Werribee Plaza, other places where you'd want to go. It's actually quite difficult to um, get to those places. So for me personally, it would take about an hour and a half to get to the swimming pool. Um, And that swimming pool 
if I was doing it by the crow flies, the crow flies is approximately four kilometres away. Um, so it's, it's significantly faster for me to ride my bike, even though I have to go quite a fair, fair way around to actually get to the to a swimming pool, which is the event centre as well, in the Wyndham area. And so uh, that's rather frustrating if you want to do that. And so essentially, um, we pretty much have the bike, I have a bike and some car, and we have some cars as well, obviously, because they're kind of required. My partner also lives up, uh, works up in uh, Brimbank, and so getting from here to Brimbank is basically impossible. You know, by public transport, you have to get on a bus, get on a train that goes all the way into Footscray, switch out to catch a train back to Sunshine, and then you know you have to then catch a bus from Sunshine to you know your sort of Brimbank area, which takes another. So uh, you're looking at at least assuming perfect stops and no no waiting, which obviously isn't real. Um, you're probably looking at you know two hours each way which is not something you can do for a trip that takes 25 minutes by car. So, you know, unfortunately at the moment, there's no real options. And so it's part of the reason why um, I must say the research or then the proposals uh, in that research, I think are quite good because they actually provide those linkages, especially north, south, which we just don't really have at the moment between the western suburbs. There's no orbital rail, no orbital bus route at all out where we are. Pretty ridiculous how much longer it takes your partner to get to work. You know, imagine if we had a well-connected grid service with 10, you know, every 10 minutes. I'm sure it would take them uh, much less time to get to work. And that's really what we're pushing for and what is needed in the West. It's not, you know, just about getting in and out of the city, but actually connecting to local services and, you know, things like the pool, especially when we start heading into summertime and it's really hot, people don't want to sit on the bus for 40 minutes to get to the local pool to, you know, just cool down. So, yeah, thanks so much for that. Now we're going to hear from Sarah, who's from the Brimbank area, who's going to just talk a bit about her experience. <coughs> Hi. Thank you, Sarah. Hi, Hi everyone. Um, so I'm from St Albans and area, Kildowns and St Albans, and I can perfectly relate Adrian, to what you're saying. Um, I'm my background, I'm a, I'm a single mum, I'm also a carer, and I have a person, young person with a disability. I'm not much of a confident driver when it comes to long distance, so I really rely on my buses. Um, and having a young person navigate the bus system can be overwhelming, um, can create a lot of anxiety, um, stress, confusion. Um, especially when we've got um, big key projects that are happening from state down here in the West, it can be just a little bit too much. I find with buses, it's always the waiting game. You're just sitting around, you really have to plan your days of events um, based on the timing of the schedules. And often as a carer, I like to you know, be involved with my community by going to events and going to meetings and um, attending things and trying to learn and develop and grow. Um, but often the most of the sessions are on in the evening, so and buses cut off um, at a certain time in the evening, so you miss out. You sort of miss out the opportunity. You know, you miss out to be a part of something special and be a part of the community and you know help create shape things. Um, and it can be really frustrating because um, then there's, I mean, prior to COVID, that was the only way that we could go in. I mean, thank, thankfully we have you know Zoom meetings now, but 
we still want to you know encourage people to get out of the house and um, be less isolated and go out and meet other people and to talk and communicate so I found that really difficult because most of these meetings they finish off at like quite late and then you can have tea and coffee and socialize but I would have to leave early and miss out a lot because I have to catch the bus home and I have to make sure that my personal safety was okay and um, not be stranded somewhere and there was one time uh, I missed a bus and I ended up walking home 45 minutes, like about 9.30 at night. Um, and I was really, really upset by the end of the evening. I was like, I'm never doing this again. Um, and it, it just made me feel really, you know, like my confidence and my low self-esteem. Like I really want to, you know, be part of my community. I really want to get out and do stuff, but I really rely on my buses. I really rely on my public transport to get me out and about. So, um, and also being a carer, like having to support um, my young daughter and those with a disability of um, feeling confident to catch buses, to get around and um, to be involved is a big thing. So we're the ones that um, help them, sort of support them on that journey. Um, and they need to feel confident um, with catching buses and knowing how to connect buses from this point to that point to get to a certain destination. Um, there's a lot of, I think, work that needs to be done in that space. Um, Bringbank, we have a huge, massive pool being built, um, a $60 billion pool being built, and we're really looking forward to its grand opening sometime soon, before this year. So we're looking at how to navigate to get buses down there for people who don't have public transport, um, you know, who may have um, mobility issues and so forth. So that's a big concern for council and I guess for other stakeholders um, to sort of enjoy those those luxuries that you know, we look forward to. It's going to have a pool, it's going to have a wellbeing centre, it's going to have it's a massive building. So um, I really look forward to that. So for buses for people are a huge thing. You know, we really rely on that. Um, waiting, sitting around waiting. Some buses don't even have a bus shelter. Um, so I look around and think, I don't want to stand there at this time of the night waiting for a bus and feeling unsafe, you know. Um, that's a concern. Or, or having my child stand there and wait, that's a concern. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of issues surrounding buses and hopefully this campaign and we can, you know, work on this. Um, we'll, we'll look, aim of it to, is to um, improve it. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing all of that. Um, and... You're right, like buses are a safety issue as well um, and people should have access to buses late at night um, so everyone can feel safe getting around their community. Um, and I really want to thank you as well for highlighting the point about, you know, lack of access to bu buses means we are disconnected from our communities and people sort of, you know, um, aren't as able to connect with the community and, and be a part of the community. So, um, yeah, that's really important. And, yeah, I want to thank you for for bringing that up as well. Um, so now, now we'll move on to John Stone, who's gonna talk about um, some of the research that was recently published by University of Melbourne, um, particularly um, the article called Better Buses for Melbourne's West. Um, the Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion, 
and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR, continuing the interview with John Stone of Melbourne University, talking about better bus services in the West. Um, so talk us through that, John. What did you What did you find out, and um, how is it um, relating in with our campaign? Thanks, Elise, and thanks so much to Adrian and Sarah for sharing your experience. I mean, this is something we know. Um, you know, we can look at the numbers, but it's fantastic to hear the, the personal story about life, life in, the, in the West and how important it is to, to get around. I mean, it's a, it's a real social justice issue that people are able to, to get around their communities. And it's also a, a climate justice issue that you, know, you don't want to be committed to or dependent on highly fossil fuel dependent transport systems. You know. And so it's it's clear to us that the, the climate solution and the social justice solution together add up to electric buses in the suburbs. And it's, what we've done is try to outline what the government can do uh, to, to solve this, this really big problem. And really interestingly, what, what we did was to take the existing bus service kilometres, the, the amount of money that the state government currently spends on buses in the West, which is quite a lot, there are quite a lot of buses, but they're operating on 80 separate routes on convoluted pathways through the suburbs. So often people don't know where the bus goes. It's at the end of their street, but they don't know that it, you know, they get on the bus and it turns left when they expected it to turn right. And that puts people off as well. So we've got a very complicated system. And it's as um, both Adrian and Sarah noted it's it's very sparse it doesn't run to huge frequency during the day and it's almost non-existent at um, evenings and weekends so we said you've got all this these bus kilometers could you do something better with them and we used the principles that are um, behind the best public transport systems around the world which is to say we want to connect up as many places as we can and we can do that not by linking every spot with every other spot but by making it possible for people to move from one bus service to another to get to where they want and that means no waiting so we said could we do what would happen if we did buses running in pretty well straight lines on a 10 minute frequency running at speeds that you could achieve over time through giving buses priority and what was amazing we found was that even having buses at a speed that's comparable to the smart bus system, about 25 kilometres an hour, you could get a network that gives us 10-minute frequencies all day, every day, seven days a week and into the evenings with this, the existing expenditure on bus services plus a little bit which is probably comparable to bringing the west up to Melbourne's average in terms of how much we spend on buses. So the, per, per capita, the west has fallen behind as population has grown. So you catch up with population, bring it up to the Melbourne average, and you've got the resources, 
that we need to run a really great network. And over time, you could make that even more effective by um, building in more bus-only, bus and cycle and walking-only bridges to get you across a railway line or a creek or something like that. What we, we were quite amazed about the access improvements that this this sort of network gave people. We, we looked at all the different activity centres, how much improvement do you get in terms of um, access to these places? And it was phenomenal. On average, it was three times better for the numbers of people who could get to those places within 30 minutes. And that usually meant either a direct service or a service with, with the most one connection. So we could do, do that and for people like Adrian trying to get to Brimbank, this would be this would do that. To get Sarah to the New Pool, this this would do that. It'd probably mean a slightly longer walk for most people, and this needs tweaking. This is just a concept that the DOT and the community need to work together to, to refine. So you have these buses running on a grid-like pattern on the arterial roads, which would mean you would have a coverage of people being within an average of, or with a maximum of 800 metres. So you would need some sort of demand responsive community-based system to get people to that bus system if, if walking was, a, was an issue. So, but together, a, a, a affordable on-demand system with these frequent, reliable, connected buses running at 10 minutes. And if we add into that transition from diesel to electric buses, We've got something which meets the social needs and meets the climate needs because it means that people can let go of that second or third car that people have in some some families. So that's a saving of $20,000 a year for them and a saving for the climate. This better public transport is what we do rather than expecting the decarbonisation of transport to mean swapping everybody to an electric car, which for most people across Melbourne and certainly in the West is not going to be affordable. But we think this is a, a, a solution that the government can take up and um, it's going to take some um, push from the community to, to make sure that the government realises that this is an important thing that people need, that want, that they would use if it was there. And that's something that um, we need to take up to, to the government in the lead up to the, to the next election, which... Um, I'm really glad to say Friends of the Earth and the local communities are really rallying around and local councils are, are, are getting on board as well. Yes, thank you so much, John. And you're absolutely right, Friends of the Earth are on board, of, uh, on board with that, as we all are. All three of us here are members of the Sustainable Cities Collective that's currently running the Better Buses campaign. And anyone is welcome to get on board and join any of our upcoming activities. So we'll have a flyering day on the 27th of August. It'll be published shortly, but just head to melbournefoorgau slash transport if you'd like to sign up. Read our blog, sign the petition and see what we're up to. And also, if you wanted to check out John's research, you can just head to the University of Melbourne's website, Melbourne School of Design, and the paper is called Better Buses for Melbourne's West. Yeah, I want to thank you all so much for joining me today. As I said, we're the Sustainable Cities Collective. Anyone listening out there wants to get on board, please check us out online. And yeah, the flowering day will be August 27th. Thank you so much for being here, and we look forward to winning better buses in Melbourne's West. Thanks, Elise, and good on you. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you, everyone. Bye.
Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and Monaro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. Listen to Dirt Radio on 3CR and we now have Sam in the studio. How's it going, Sam? Hello. Am I on? You are on. I'll just turn. Oh, okay. I can't hear my headphones. That's all right. These Ooh, headphones. Oh, look at right. that magic! Yeah, that's it. Just with a flick of the wrist. So that was amazing, Jack. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great interview, and just you know, reminds me that I also live in a, uh, a another area of Melbourne that has really bad bus and public transport. Yeah. Well, I mean. It just, like they alluded to there, it's let's build all these houses and not give anyone the opportunity to actually get anywhere with them, which is not great, is it? I'm not sure if anyone's ever driven west at seven o'clock in the morning, but it is chaotic at best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had the same chaos coming from the north this morning, um, and there are no real good public transport options for me unless I'm prepared to, yeah, wander the suburban streets to get to where I need to be. Yeah. Maybe they will only start listening when Time Out puts like Melbourne out of the top 10 because that seems to be all that anyone <laughs> in the government cares about. Oh, we were top one a little while ago, but, you know, it's toppling quick. Yeah, well, I think there's a clear socioeconomic connection between what public transport access people get, the same as healthcare, the same as education, uh, and we can just see the the stratification of oppression is built into our energy system and access and also to our transport system. So amazing work happening by Sustainable Cities at Friends of the Earth. It's a tough gig, uh, not always an easy thing to uh, work towards changing because it's such deep infrastructure change. Yeah. Uh, but they're doing amazing work together with all the community members you just heard from. Uh, so, Jack, I I felt like we couldn't go the whole show without, like, it'll be the first and last time probably can't say definitely, but probably, <laughs> <laughs> that we bring up Scott Morrison's name, although um, he is a little bit like Trump in the sense that he just keeps doing things that blow your mind that you find out he did while he was prime minister. So we've just found out that he made himself man in charge of everything, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's staggering just to watch him as a person, like mm. someone that was so untrustworthy in government. And then it turns mm. out that actually he was super untrustworthy while he had the reins, as it were. I don't know. He's, he's funny to watch, to be honest. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's enjoyable for me to watch, you know. <laughs> a little bit of humour. If, if he wasn't so deadly serious yeah. in, in, <laughs> in taking uh, charge of things, I, I saw he apologised to Matthias Corman for signing himself in as the finance minister yeah. <laughs> and not telling him 
Also to, I think, Greg Hunt for making himself the health minister. Uh, quite extraordinary. Like no one in the, the Liberal Party surely is going to trust him ever again no. uh, after it's been revealed he did this. Imagine working with a man at a senior level in the cabinet and finding out he has so little faith in you that he secretly signed himself up to take your job. Yeah. Uh, it's quite extraordinary and... Uh, I just hope this means that the Liberal Party is going to be in the wilderness for a very, very long time. Uh, Peter Dutton didn't seem quite as phased by it. I don't know why. Probably because it's easier to say, no idea, mate, not my problem. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, Dutton probably secretly signed himself up to a whole heap of things when he was in charge of the super ministry, yeah. the home affairs ministry. Uh, but this is the type of men that were running the country during the pandemic uh, and that were, you know, delaying climate change by years. And and now we find out that the, the leader truly did think that he was entitled to covet every main position within his cabinet so it's a yeah. funny word you use they're entitled because that's exactly what it is it's entitlement to say that oh no no this democratic process doesn't apply to me and yes. actually i can just exert my will and you know essentially you're you're turning yourself it's a it's a bit dictatory really isn't it T- turning around and grabbing hold of things in you know behind closed doors and in shadows yeah, and it also points to the, the the liberal perception that you can run a country like a corporation and therefore senior executives can just issue, you know, changes at will and make themselves the person in charge at will like it's their own company. Yeah. And, you know, this is this for me is part of the problem all across the world in addressing the global pandemic and also addressing climate change is the fact that uh, a, a lot of the Western liberal democracies have decided that their relationship and their uh, loyalty is to the corporations within their functioning societies rather than to the people. So they've cut the people out and it's all about corporation power to the point where they are acting like running a country is like running a corporation. Yeah, uh, It's quite extraordinary yeah. and something we need to slap on the head as quickly as possible. Yeah, literally. Uh, bring on system change, <laughs> escalate, <laughs> agitate, educate, and bring about change as quickly as possible because this is the true face of what these type of men who have been running our country think that they can do behind the scenes to each other. Yeah, yeah, this to is the each thing. Other. If they're doing it within their, their own team, as it were. Yes. Yeah, then there's, that, that's going to extend to... Everyone, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, this is why we have a rapey, rapey ex-parliament that no one has ever been prosecuted Ooh, for the crimes. <laughs> Jack is pulling apart the studio yeah, as we speak. It. He's so <laughs> outraged. <laughs> I mean, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, no one punished for actual crimes. And now we're finding that the concentration of power was not a joke. He was actually putting himself in a position to control everything uh important health finance and be the prime minister with prime ministerial powers to send us to war to do all sorts of things so oh valuable lesson for us to learn we don't want to be like america we need to get on top of this straight away and never ever let men like that be in charge ever ever again as 
far as I'm concerned, they've done enough damage. Absolutely. We should put him on a bus and, you know, point it west and see ya, mate. Yeah, just take him a few days to get to his destination, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) I believe there are some leftover detention centres out in the desert where he could get a taste of his own medicine and I'm sure we can find a bus to get him there. Yeah, absolutely. We could crowdsource it. Yeah, definitely. I reckon it'd be easy enough. Scott Morrison's career is over as far as I'm concerned after this. This is pretty full on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not going to let that one go, are they? I'm not sure he's looking close. for a position right now on a nice, cozy fossil fuel board. Company, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just exactly how it's going to go. We um, are nearly out of time. Pretty much. Oh, what a crazy world we're living in. Yeah, well, till next week. We'll yeah. sure we'll have more stories in the crazy world that it is. Yeah, get out there and change the system in whatever way you can. Please, quickly, everybody. Yes. To Up the ne- barricades. Yeah. <laughs> Up next is Billabong Beats.